That's a good way to start it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, man. Are you in the picture? Uh, should I be in the picture? Yes. Hello, everyone. Um, hello. Rich is in the picture. Uh, something. In the something. He's we're talking about... In um, the asylum. <laughs> we're talking about Hallmark Christmas movies, which you should be watching. Uh... 24-7, because that's when they're playing, 24-7. If you'd like a full... For the sake of wisdom, I will not speak at yes, all for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> well, it's going to be a real short one today. Um, no, but we were just saying I'm I'm excited for Christmas. And they started early this year. They usually started the, like the day after Halloween. Well, Hallmark Christmas movies. My daughter is excited and delighted and all kinds of ided. She's uh, just... That's her thing. This is like family tradition. We have to watch some Hallmark Christmas movies. I get it. She, and this year, it. I feel like I'm very tempted to decorate for Christmas earlier than usual and just mm. kind of get in that vibe earlier than usual. And I think <laughs> it's because of everything that's going on in the world. You know, that's... I just need some comfort. Could be. And uh, here we are. But the so. nice thing about Hallmark movies is, as a rule, I can feel comfortable with my daughter watching them mm-hmm. with us, you know, whereas... Most television Lifetime today. Ones you can't do. <laughs> no, uh, the most things on television today. You know, I was telling you before I, we're watching uh, Arrow and taking a break from Arrow right now after season three to catch up with Flash. So we're get, watching these super. So I, you're a big nerd, is what you're saying? But did I need to? Uh, that <laughs> seemed like it was self-evident. But the, uh, um, but I can't let my daughter watch Arrow with right. us. She's she's a freshman in high school. She's 14. But no, there's. No, there's enough darkness in this. And while there is a good versus evil plot, and that's good, I'm going to let this girl hang on to her innocence as long as as long as we can, um, which just somehow reminded me of John Cougar Mellencamp. But as we're um, you know kind of watching these, it's nice. Not that they're not Christian movies, and, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't ever want people to be confused with that. And that's where I think some of the... Um, some of the controversy came up last year right. with some of the commercials that they were going through, uh, LGBTQ uh, commercials that were, f- they were more than normal. I mean, they, because they were right. being targeted. That, right. that, they were 100% being targeted. And that, I don't think I've seen any of those since, but they had the big controversy in, over the, the whole thing. And, and a lot of it well, came this year from... there was an actual movie, like one of their fall movies. I, it, it was inevitable. It was right. going to happen. I didn't see it, but... It was inevitable, which makes it, you know, more, I have to be more careful now than I did before. I didn't used to have to be careful with Hallmark, Mm -hmm. which was the beauty of Hallmark. And so now you don't. And they're not a Christian company, so I I don't expect unbelievers to act like believers. But there is a basic decency, uh, wholesomeness, uh, a sense of morality. they can't change their scheme too much because that's what people are looking for. That's right. That's that's your base. Because if you wanted it, if you wanted something else, you would look somewhere else. And they 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 basically pander to a a demographic that isn't their demographic. Right. Right. But in the world that we're in, they didn't have a whole lot of choice. Right. And so I I get it. I don't like it, but I, I, I get their perspective on it. Um, Dolly Parton has a Christmas movie this year on Netflix. Uh, another one? Didn't she do one before? Was she Christmas did a sh- Angel or th- no, something? No, that's this thing? one. It's coming out oh, next month. I didn't month. think that was new. I thought that was old. No, it's, it's called Christmas She's on done the so many angel things. I think it's the hair. She plays you know, an angel. Like, plays it's an like angel. Ghost of Christmas Past type thing okay. with like Christine Baranski. She 
she plays an angel all the time. She played uh, on Designing Women back in the late Dolly 80s. Parton was on Designing She's Women. On Designing Women. I love Designing as Women. Charlene's guardian movie star. So, ah. so the, she was having a dream, and Dolly was like an angel, but she was she's an angel. She here. was Dolly. So, well, and she's suddenly on every singing background vocals on every Christian. That's album very true. Ever. I think she just won an award for the uh, maybe the King and Country one. Probably because that was that was a good one. <clears throat> anyway, if you're not watching Christmas, movies, oh, it could have been the Zach Williams one because that's a really good duet. I like that one. Let's talk about some. <laughs> how are we going to wrangle that into what we're talking about today? Well, the thing of it is, whether whether we're talking about Hallmark movies or Dolly Parton or whatever else, every part of this we need to be looking at through the lens of our faith, right? So as we're as we're seeing, like when I'm talking about what I want my daughter to see, it's not just a matter of keeping innocence and, and so on. It's a matter of how do I best win my daughter for Christ, and then since she is a believer. How do I further that and keep her thinking in terms of, of faith and mission? And so when we're, when we're looking at, again, the, the, our entertainment choices or whatever else, we need to remember all the time as Christ followers that there is a difference. <laughs> and I could not understate this more. There is a difference between the world and the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And we are not of this world. We're here in it, but we're here in it on a mission. And therefore, everything we do all the time, whether we're podcasting or you know, sipping hot cocoa watching a Hallmark movie, everything we do is part of that mission because we are ambassadors for Christ in this foreign and hostile land. So that's really what, what we're seeing in Acts 25 as well, is Paul, who is not sipping hot cocoa and watching Hallmark movies, but instead is imprisoned and has been unjustly for more than two years now, um, is dragged out once again, not for a trial, but for a hearing of sorts. Um, Festus, the new governor, has already determined, I don't know what to do with this guy. You know, He hasn't done anything deserving of death. Uh, and to try to appease the Jewish leaders as the new governor in the area, um, he wants to take Paul back to Jerusalem so that they'll be happy. Well, Paul recognizes they already were going to kill me once. So mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to probably do this again. Whether Paul knew about the ambush they had planned um, on this trip or not, we're not really clear about. But one way or another, he recognizes the whole, right. you know, how this whole thing is going. Idea. And Paul, once again, as a Roman citizen, as a citizen Christian, has looked at this through the lens of worldly wisdom, and I, I don't mean that in the sense of anti-godly wisdom, but in understanding how the world world works. He's thinking with a shrewdness like a snake while living with an innocence like a dove. And so Paul now says, no, as a Roman citizen, I appeal to Caesar. This I should be tried according to Roman law. So therefore, if this isn't going to happen here, I'm going to appeal my case to Caesar, which was the right of every Roman citizen. So while he's doing that, uh, Festus agrees to, to send him. He's going to send him on to Rome. Great, gets it out of my hair. But what in the world am I going to tell Caesar about this? Why am I sending this guy to Rome with some silly religious charges, as he would see them? Um, they're talking about disputes in their own religion, mm-hmm. their regional religion here, and, their, and this dispute over whether Jesus is dead or alive. I don't care about this stuff. What am I supposed to tell Caesar about this? So on, um, as the, the governor, he gets a visit from King Agrippa, who is the, the client king under Rome of the 
uh, Judean territory. He's the Jewish uh, sort of a, uh, he's really more of a figurehead. He's there um, not so much for governing as for the, uh, as for the, the image of it, the cultural king. And so he comes to pay a visit to Festus, get to know him, make his big presentation, see how important I, I am, you know, make, mm-hmm. make the Romans happy so I can keep my power and opulence. Uh, he's with his sister slash lover, uh, Bernice, which is just another whole weirdness, but according to Josephus and affirmed in some other um, uh, references, uh, Bernice is his consort, if you will. So that's nasty. Yeah, it's nasty. Which is well, not only that, it, it is for sure, but it is also a direct violation of explicit Jewish law. So the Jewish king not, is so the Jews not, aren't too thrilled. With yeah, them. they don't they don't love Agrippa here. This is Agrippa the second, not happy about him. Uh, they weren't overly thrilled with anyone in the Herodian dynasty, but this is kind of where they are. But because now he's talking to the Jewish king and his Jewish sister, uh, Paul. Uh, I'm sorry, Festus says, hey, I got this guy. I don't know what to do with him. Maybe you could check him out. Agrippa wants to hear him, probably wanted to hear him anyway. I'm sure he's heard the, the stories of, of Paul and his exploits. And so uh, Paul comes out to tell his story to Agrippa. Well, mm-hmm. now he approaches it differently. As he talks to Festus, Festus doesn't understand these things. So he can't speak to him in the same way. He has to speak to him on a Roman level in dealing with the law because that's what he understands. But with Agrippa, he can talk about the law of God, and he can talk about the prophets, and he can talk about the faith, because he's going to understand that. might reject it in his lifestyle, but, but he understands where it's coming from. So as uh, Paul shares these things, uh, he's going into this with the express idea, which has always been the case for him, that because Jesus is real, and I recognize what's going on here, that Jesus is the fulfillment of everything we have ever hoped and longed for, everything that God has promised to our people, this is Jesus. He does what he always does. He sees this unpleasant moment, this adversity that he's going through, as an opportunity, as a mission opportunity. So he's always looking through that lens of Mm -hmm. mission. How can I, in everything that I do, represent Christ? How can I reflect the reality of Christ through this current relationship that I have? And so, as Paul said to, in his letter to the Philippians, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't really care about the consequences. Doesn't That doesn't matter because ultimately I know I'm going to get home and anything I go through here isn't going to even be worth comparing. I won't even be thinking about it. Not worth a memory at that point. So God is revealing through the church, through the saints, a glory that is beyond any superlatives that we could come up with. My job while I'm here is then as an ambassador for Christ to make God's appeal through every way that I live my life in every moment. So that's what we see him doing. And and, uh, what we're called to do is if we're taking the gospel seriously, we have to see every moment through the lens of our mission. And so that's where, where Paul is. He comes into this purposefully. He's already prepared his mind for action. He's, he is well-versed. He knows what he believes. He knows why he believes it. So he doesn't have to spend a lot of time scripting out, how am I going right. to deal with these arguments? 
I'm just going to live it. I'm going to put it in me so it comes out of me. So just like David says in Psalm uh, 119, I, I, your word I've hidden in my heart so I might not sin against you. How can I keep my way pure? By living according to your word. So everything in Paul is just the overflow of filling himself with God's word. So because he's purposeful in knowing that he's here to do a job and he's prepared in that he's filled his mind with God's word and applied that to life, figured out, okay, so now when I read this command in Leviticus, what does that mean in light of Christ? So he's looking at the whole counsel of God and he sees Christ as the, the centerpiece, the center point of all that, the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. <clears throat> And then as he looks forward toward the consummation of all things, he recognizes it's about Christ. That's, that's the focus. So then in light of that, to, to borrow from, from Peter, what he would say, in light of this, because of this, how should, how should you live? If I know that all of this is coming, that the judgment is coming, that grace is available now, that Christ died for my sins, uh, and I have no way of, of having a relationship with God and surviving judgment mm -hmm. uh, apart from the grace of God in Christ, then how should we live? Well, we ought to live holy lives that, uh, using Jesus' words from Matthew 5, are salt and light in the world. Uh, and I like Eugene Peterson's uh, rendering of it, sort of a, a loose uh, paraphrase from uh, the message. And he says, our, our job is to bring out the God flavors and the God colors in this world. And that's what Paul's trying to do. He's trying to, in this moment, while I'm standing before this secular governor and this apostate Jewish king, with all of these wealthy and powerful people gathered in this hall to hear it, and I'm in chains, and I know, you know, I've, I've already faced these trials. It's not like this is new. I, but I know that at any moment, any word, my fate hangs in the balance. Right. Not, not a comfortable place. Right. It's very precarious. But he's not unprepared for it. And he has enough, enough of a, a perceptive mindset to read the room. So he knows, here's how I need to talk to Festus. I need to talk according to the law because he understands the law. Here's how I talk to Agrippa because he understands the scriptures. He also should understand that his lifestyle isn't right, but, but at least I know that, that he knows I can use this language and I can mm -hmm. talk to him in the language of the, of the nation of Israel, or of the church, as we would see it today. And in, in evaluating that situation in light of his mission, it changes how he deals with them. And again, that, that being able to, to take the temperature of, what, of what's going on here and see these opportunities. He gets to the end of telling his story and explaining the gospel. And, and Festus is like, you're, you're out of your mind. Mm -hmm. Well, why is he saying that? Because the stuff that Paul is saying to Agrippa, he could not have said to Festus. Right. Festus gets to listen in on it, but he's speaking to one who understands. If he had spoken to Festus that way, the whole thing would have been a waste. But now, because... He can have this three-way conversation, if you will, or four-way, if you include Bernice in there as well. Um, now, when Agrippa says, you know, your, your great learning, your great education is, you know, it's kind of flipped your wig here a little bit. Um, again, I'm reminded of A Beautiful Mind for anybody who's seen mm -hmm. that old movie, which I can't believe it's an old movie old now, movie. but I'm an old guy. So um, 
you know that that barrage of information can mm-hmm. can cause you to snap. And so Festus thinks that's what's ha- happened with Paul. And Paul says to Agrippa, or he says to Festus, "No, everything I'm saying is reasonable and and according to the beliefs that we've always held. It's not." Not new, not novel. I'm not coming up with some cult thing, and, mm-hmm. and I'm not losing my mind. And Agrippa, he gets this, don't you, Agrippa? <laughs> he goes right. goes right to it, and and so he uses this apostate king to bring this secular governor into the conversation and have some understanding with it. And his, Agrippa says to him. Uh, you really think that in such a short time you're going to persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul reveals his heart in what I think is the greatest line in the entire passage when he says, <clears throat> excuse me, I should have brought some water in, uh, when he says, uh, <laughs> whether it's a short time or a long time, it doesn't matter to me, but I pray from my heart to, to the Lord that you and everybody here would become as I am except for these chains. So he has this this gentleness, this loving nature, this respect that is shown to them. And as he's doing it, uh, his his heart for the entire situation, for Agrippa, for Festus, for everybody listening, is that they would know Christ and that they would find real life in him. So that purposefulness and, and preparedness and, and perception of the situation allows for him to have a very deeply personal conversation with them. And he gives us a pretty good model as far as sharing our faith. And one of the things that I mentioned Sunday, and I want to make sure we mention today, is that sharing your story, there's been such a, an emphasis on, on sharing mm-hmm. your story uh, in recent years. And that's good, and it's valid, and it's biblical. But my story isn't in itself the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's my experience. So I can share my story and somebody can identify with that and be compelled, but they still need to be confronted with the reality of the gospel, right. that, that there is a choice that you have to make. Will you choose life or will you choose death? And by not choosing, you've chosen death because that's where you stand right now. And so if I don't get the, at some point, get to explaining what the gospel is, then there isn't, there isn't hope, there isn't help there. I can tell you what happened to me, and that's great, and and the... Uh, the approach that, that the forensic approach that, that people take with that is you can't argue with my experience, which of course we hear in so many other settings right now that, you know, well, that's my experience. That's my, that's my truth. And it, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the truth. And so if Jesus is the only way, truth in life, the only way to have a relationship with God, then at some point it has to go beyond my experience right to the truth of God's word. So Paul, as he's laying this out, he does this kind of in three phases, and I think this is a worthwhile way for us to approach it. And in our preparing to be able to to share our faith effectively, I think it's worth it for every one of us as Christ followers to think through what our story is, to be ready, even to write it out, to be ready to share that. And so he starts by telling uh, who he was beforehand. And, and he points out all these people know, all the Jewish leaders know who I was. I was well known to them. I was zealous for the law. I was super religious. So Paul was not like Herod where he's off running around doing his thing. Right. Paul was not the hypocrite. He was the zealous believer who was all in 100%, super religious guy, Followed super disciplined rules. in his life and, right. and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
and yet still unsaved, still missed the mark, even to the point of persecuting the church. And then he tells about his his encounter with Christ. So he's got life before Christ, before I met Christ, and then the circumstances surrounding my my salvific event, if you will, my, my time of meeting Christ. Um, and, and he shares the encounter he has with Christ and the vision on the Damascus Road and the blindness and all these things that, that are going on and how it changed him. And then his response to that shows up, as he says to Agrippa, I, I, was, I have not failed to be true to the vision. So I received this word from God. Before I met Christ, I was living according to my own strength. I was well-respected. I, you know, I had all of the education and the religion and the morality, even to the point of persecuting these Jews more zealously than, than those who are coming after me here. Mm -hmm. And then I met Jesus. And he said to me, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goats, to, to go against the prompting. I'm steering you in this direction, and you're resisting it. And... And then he gives them the commission. I'm calling you to go out and share this message uh, and even uh, be, even prophesying. You're going to do this before kings and, and governors mm -hmm. and to tell all the Gentiles. You're going to do all these things, which sounds an awful lot like what Jesus said in Acts 1.8, that you're going to receive power from on high and you'll be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. So after telling what his life was like before Christ, what happened in his encounter with Christ and meeting Christ, and then the changes that happened in his life following that. What is life like now in Christ? And goes on to, to describe all you know what is happening here. Because of this, I'm going and I'm, I'm sharing the gospel, and that's why I'm standing before you today. Because all of these things that I believed before, they were incomplete. I didn't get it yet. And now I get it. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that. So what I'm on trial for today, what I'm standing before you here today over, is the issue of Jesus being exactly who God said, that he would suffer and die and be the firstborn among many brothers to be resurrected. And so uh, this picture of Christ being the fulfillment of all that God is doing is the presentation of the gospel. we got to steer it back to Christ. Right. So life before Christ, meeting Christ, life in Christ, that's a pretty good layout for how we can share our personal stories. And so as, as Paul does that, um, it's important for us to recognize that this doesn't happen uh, passively. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a balance here. Paul is... Um, there, there, there are two sides to this coin. Paul is very proactive in, in seeking opportunities to share the gospel. Right. He's ready, as he charges Timothy later on, in season and out of season. You know, it doesn't whether this is when you're planning for it, you know, or when you're not. If it's in the synagogue where you expect it, or if it's on the street where you don't expect mm -hmm. it. You know, for us, you know, you have a conversation with somebody at church or, or maybe at a funeral, you know, the, those are times when you might expect these kinds of conversations. But what about when you're, you know, at McDonald's or, or Cracker Barrel? I just got some wonderful uh, gift certificates for Cracker Barrel. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh, and, Enjoy the biscuits. <laughs> and, and, uh, so, 
wherever you encounter people. It's a, at a ball game, trick or treating. Who, who knows? Any, well, any like, kind of things. I mentioned to you, um, it wasn't really the summer. It was just a few weeks ago at the beach when we had uh, a baptism. Felt a lot more like summer than now. True that. I'm not complaining though. Don't come back. Summer. <laughs> um, I, I mentioned to you uh, this. Uh, uh, they were an Indian family. I'm, I don't know where they're from. They had a thick accent. Uh, they appeared to be from the subcontinent to... of India. Thank you. Okay. That's more PC. Um, thick accent. Uh, you could tell that they didn't speak. They were not in a Hallmark movie, probably. But... Uh, you could tell that at least the father, who I spoke to briefly, kind of had broken English. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were two or three little kids uh, running around, and we had our baptism. And there were quite a few people there, I thought, for the baptism, especially considering the time of year it was, yeah. um, from our church. And so we had this little crowd, and uh, uh, the two or three people got baptized. Um and this man and his two children were just, they, the kids were playing in the sand and they all stopped and they were watching. And I, I was watching the little kids mostly when they were watching, but then the man, he leaned over to me and he said, excuse me, are you, are you Christian? And I turned to him, I said, yeah, we, we are. And then for the rest of the night, <laughs> I was so mad at myself, it wouldn't get out of my head. I kept thinking. This is when I get the guilty text. Right, and so I said, I couldn't stop thinking that I should have said something more, done something more. He didn't ask anything more than that. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, well, can you tell me about what you're doing? Or can you, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. He didn't prompt me to say anything further, but something was, was pulling me to, that I, or I felt, like you said, incredibly guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess when you were talking about this on Sunday, that popped into my head. Um, because when I feel guilty about something, I feel guilty for a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It could be a genetic trait. <laughs> um, the and I don't know still if that was a lack of preparedness on my part, or if it wasn't the relationship, or you know, quote unquote, reading the room. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're standing there at a beach. I'm not going to be able to, you know, talk to him for an hour and a half about sure. what we're doing um, and why. But it hit me then, and it hit me on Sunday again. Uh, the times in our life where we don't expect things like that Mm -hmm. and how I think my guilt stemmed from the fact not only that I I should have said more and I could have said something, but I think the reason I didn't was because I didn't know what to say. I felt not as prepared as I should have been because that doesn't happen to me every day. People don't come up to me and ask me about my faith or any, I don't find a lot of ways to enter, interject it into everyday conversations, and I want to, and I've, I've been... And then you got one that comes in right. your lap, and you're like, right. oh, shoot, right. I blew it. blew that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying about, you know, being prepared for these, uh, every or being unprepared for these everyday situations and the importance of actually being prepared, and, yeah. and I think... And I think that's really that proactive aspect right, that, that's right. uh, that we're looking back. at with with Paul. And you know, after this conversation, I've been thinking, you know, I I need to be proactively preparing, not just you, but but mm-hmm. all of our lifers as, as we go to to these things. And, and maybe that's so true. that we recognize. Now, I mean, now you can look at it and say, well, hey, maybe I should expect somebody to ask a question right, about this weird thing right. we're doing at the beach. But that's on but, me. That's on me. It's well, it my, is, but it's, it's, it's on the team. So, right. So as but a it, team, uh, to be shocking, shocking to me that this would be put into a sports metaphor. But on the team, every player has to make the plays, but the coach has to put them in a position for that and prepare them for sure. what they're going to expect. And so now 
in retrospect, I can look at that and say, you know, I probably, before we ever went to the beach or when we were gathered up there, should have prepared all of you who were in attendance to say, listen, there are going to be people out here who don't know what we're doing mm-hmm. and see what are these and weird folks out there. here you, dunking You do with. say stuff like that. So but what do we do when somebody says, hey, are you Christian? You know, if, if I had prepared you for that in advance, then you might have been able to say afterwards, send me a text that says, man, I had this great conversation right. instead of, oh, man, I so blew it. And I don't know that you necessarily blew it, but... You know, when we're looking at it thinking, man, I, I wish I could have done more, then that's a that's a good prompting for us mm-hmm. to be a little better prepared for what to say in the future and a little more proactive and in, in ready to look for it to say, okay, who might be asking me questions? You know, you know, but get it, the, but I'm talk- I guess more of my focus is I felt then and continue to feel that I need to put in the individual work sure. as a Christ follower because it's not just going to happen at baptism or whatever one right. day one day that's it, a very good point one day what if it does happen while i'm at the gas station or whatever for some reason i have to put in i have to be proactive myself i can't depend on others whether it be you or my church body or whatever to hold my hand throughout that entire thing i have to put in the work and not just share my like we've talked about not just share my personal you know what i've been through but the gospel itself yeah. and i think that well, that brings up two important points, I think, related to that. Well, hurry, because we have one minute. <laughs> <laughs> one minute per point? I don't think that's going to happen. But one is, it's most likely to happen most of the time among people in your circle sure, of influence. Sure, sure. So rarely are people going to walk up to you and say, hey, you know, I, I, I just was thinking, I, I'm pretty sure I'm doomed to hell and I need a savior. Can you tell me about Jesus? That's probably not going to happen most of the time. Could it? Sure. God's sovereignty is great, but uh, I don't think that's likely. As I'm getting my honey bun from Speedway. Right. But there are lots of times when you're going to deal with with folks, friends, family, whatever, run into old high school acquaintances. How's it going? Well, really, my life's falling apart. Right. Red flag. Rather than, well, this is an awkward conversation. How quickly can I get out of it? Which I think is a natural reaction for most of us. Or, man, that's really, really bad. We can, we can allow that suffering to lead us into a gospel conversation. I'm not suggesting, man, my wife just left me. Oh, hey, have I told you about Jesus? Right. You know, again, read the room. Read the room. <laughs> you got to be perceptive. Right. About and the have the right here. relationship with that person exactly. to say the right things. But those are opportunities to walk into instead of away from right. that, that pain and that difficulty. And when we as Christ followers, as his ambassadors, carry him with us everywhere we go, right? Mm-hmm. We, we walk into other people's pain as well as our own. And, and Paul says, we're, we're comforted. And in all these things, we're comforted so that we can comfort other people. Mm-hmm. So that with the, the comfort that God gives us, then we can share that. And that's where our story becomes really important. You know, hey, I can identify with what you're going through. Maybe I haven't gone through the exact same thing. But here's, here's what I know from my life. Here's what I've seen. Let me tell you about truth and, and how this really works. And that... Sometimes it'll go well, sometimes it'll go poorly. But that brings up the second point. The second point being, I started to mention earlier, there's two sides to this proactive coin. Um, Paul is actively seeking out opportunities. Mm -hmm. And yet, 
he's basically just living life and letting them right. come. So he's proactive in seeking them out and recognizing them, but he is trusting that God's going to keep doing it. He could have panicked with Festus and said, man, this is my only chance I'm going to get to tell this guy about Jesus. So I'm going to just spill my guts about all these Jewish sounding things. And he would have, Festus would have said, Paul, you're out of your mind, as he did here. Mm -hmm. But instead, Paul, while being proactive and actively seeking these things out, trusts that God's sovereignty rules in the, uh, in the affairs of men. So as we are interacting with folks, this, the, the person at the beach, the family at the beach, what allows us to sleep at night is knowing that God is not dependent on me. He's making his appeal through me. I'm his ambassador. But if I fail in my job, if I fail miserably, and I don't know that you failed miserably, but, it, but if, if I fail miserably in, in, in my job as ambassador, God is not less because of that. He is not less in control. His spirit is still moving. And those whom he is calling will hear that call. I want it to be through me, not in spite of me. <laughs> I, right. want, I want to work right. as God's ambassador so that I can stand before him. And, and he smiles and says, hey, well done, rather than, well, thanks. You're my child, and, and I'm glad that you're home, but why don't you sit over here while I pass out the rewards to those who are faithful? I, I'm being a little glib about it, and I don't really mean to do that. But um, but there's, there is a comfort in knowing that God remains sovereign. There's also a humility in recognizing that I can be the best sharer of the gospel in the world, and I still cannot change one person's heart. I cannot ever bring about salvation in, in somebody's heart. My job is to be a witness, not a salesperson. So the best, slickest, most appealing presentation, I can do everything perfectly right according to human wisdom and fail. Of course, because it's human wisdom. I can do everything right according to biblical instructions and still fail because it's not up to me. Mm -hmm. It's up to the Spirit of God moving. So all of these things that we've talked about, being you know, being uh, purposeful and prepared and perceptive and personal and proactive, all of those things need to be governed with another P that I didn't have in the sermon, prayer. We need to be praying about uh, about the loss. We need to be praying for the souls of those people that, that we love who don't know Jesus. And and I think maybe even especially for those, and this is me, not, not scripture, but I think maybe especially for those who are in the church but aren't of the church. Just like we're in the world and not of the world, we have lots of people who are in the church but aren't of the church. They don't belong to the church. They're not in Christ. And so even though they say all the right things and they sing all the right songs and they show up for church and, and they drink the right coffee without cream in it, because who would ever put cream in coffee? But uh, those, <laughs> all of these religious-y kind of things that you might have. And that hits and harder. And not know Christ. There, it's there's an inoculation of sorts, right. and we need to pray for God to shatter that, to crack that, and to make to prepare their hearts for the gospel, and to prepare us to be able to recognize it and to bring the gospel even to those who already think they know, but they don't know. They know that we know that they know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, well, we will stop there. I feel like again, this is another conversation that could go on a lot longer, but we will stop there for the sake of time. We should have another podcast next week. You know what? That's a great idea. Let's do it. 
and uh, maybe we'll. Oh, I keep thinking maybe that we'll do one on Friday too. <laughs> maybe don't count on it. Uh, I keep thinking that these are still live streamed, but they're not. Sorry. There you have it. These are not live. Everything is a lie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say real quick. Um, you mentioned it earlier, and I was talking about my whole man at the beach issue. Um, if people are, are pulled or compelled uh, to speak out, but they aren't sure, I guess, even how to get that first word out there, uh, whether it's to somebody in their life that they've been wanting to talk to about it or how to respond to a question from somebody, if you had you know, one 30-second snippet of advice, what would you, would you have anything to say about that? Let me make sure I'm following what, what you you're pro- I, I, I probably so. scattered it all over. <laughs> uh, so if I understand correctly, you're asking, what would be my advice for someone who wants to share the gospel and doesn't know how? Correct. Is that, is that Whether it? it's to a, a stranger who asks a question or to somebody in their life who they've been wanting to reach out to, or maybe those are two very separate approaches. Yeah. Um, not to... Not to oversimplify I don't think it is but it may sound like I am um, I think exactly what we were talking about today that that I take the gospel seriously enough that that's that's my recommendation my advice to all Christ followers is take the gospel seriously enough that you look at every moment of your day whatever it is as mission oriented mm-hmm. so we're, we're looking through the lens of mission so when you're home alone how does that relate to my mission? I can't share with somebody when I'm home alone, but I can prepare and I can pray. When I'm, I can, I can protect the purity of my posts when I'm on social media. I can. You're in a pee mood. Yeah, I know. I can, I can be mindful of that so that my mind is always on the mission. Mm. And 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 when we take that. Maybe it's a military thing. You Although, said the other day, mind on my mission and my mission on my mind. That's right. I liked that. <laughs> Four or five. Laid back. <laughs> but my, you know, my brother might joke when I talk about military things because I was in the Air Force and he was in the Army. But anyway, if we if we approach things with a combat mentality, that we are not that we're you know doing battle with these people, but, right. but we are in a battle. We are in a, a spiritual battle, and we have a mission. So if I'm if I'm deployed to Afghanistan or someplace, I, I'm never going to be in a moment where I can not be aware of the fact that I'm here on mission. Hmm. That doesn't mean that every moment I'm, I'm toting a weapon or die. doing the job. Well, that's exactly right. There, there's a mission to accomplish, and that mission doesn't end until I get home. Mm-hmm. So while I'm, if I'm out back on a break playing volleyball with my buddies or playing cards at night... I'm still on a mission. I have to always keep that in mind so that I'm never, not that I never relax, but I'm relaxed with a mission mindset. Uh, I never let my guard down. Right. I have to, to be on, on top of that. And so when I, approach, when I approach life that way, I have an encounter with somebody at the gas station. I have an encounter with, with the person I'm checking out with. The things I buy send a message. The way I treat them sends a message. Whether or not, or the way in which I wear a mask during a pandemic sends a message. There are, I think there's a right way and a wrong way. That's another podcast altogether. Uh, So how I treat that person, when I say, you know, when they say, hey, how you doing? 
And I, how I respond to that, if I do it thoughtlessly, it does nothing for my mission. But I can do that thoughtfully. Maybe it's the same words, but inside me, my mind is focused forward. So that would be my advice is take the gospel seriously enough that every aspect of your life you're seeing through that lens and that will change the way you approach things. I'm glad you said that, and I know we're way out of time. But for me, that was very helpful, so thank you. Okay. For me personally, I hope it was helpful for you because I know from, from a personal standpoint, I tend to get caught up, and this is what happened at the beach, I think this happens to me in my head all the time, I get caught up on I have to say the right things. Yeah. I have to have the right words, and maybe that's my job as a writer doing that, but it's not necessarily about having all the perfect words all the time. I think no, it's your, and that's, your approach. I think that's what Jesus and, is saying right. to his disciples in Matthew 10 is don't sweat the words. Right. I got it. Right. The Spirit will give you the words to say. The words matter right. for sure, but the Spirit will, will take care of that. You've got to put them in you right. so that he can bring them out of you. Right. So if I, if I don't prepare, if I don't have, if I don't study God's word, if I just think I can be a Christian, get saved, go to church and just, you know, sashay through life and let these things happen, then it's, I'm going to be ineffective. Preparedness doesn't mean having like a speech you've memorized to give somebody. Right, right. Uh, although I don't want to knock that either right. because there are people that, that do that and can use it effectively. We use a, a gospel acronym from Dare to Share Ministries that we use with our youth. But I guess group. I mean just like thoughtful, so, thoughtlessness. Well, right, and that's what we try to challenge them on is use this so you remember, right. so you know what you want to say. Not just another Rather than just thing. reciting right. this thing to people, you know, and, and there are times when it's right and times when it's not but again when I'm mission focused when my heart is for people when I, I love them and I want to love them into the kingdom I have to do that out loud with words mm -hmm. but if the old adage is always true people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care you've mm -hmm. got to actually care about them enough to recognize that they're going to hell and I can't fix that I that's between them and God they have to make that 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 catch. They have to receive this from God. But I can tell them the truth. You know, I can give them, if we had the cure for COVID, right? We can't make everybody take it, but I can offer it. If I know what the cure is and I don't tell them, then I'm not being very loving. Right. So. Well, I'm sorry that I dragged this over time, but I, that I was very it was helpful worthwhile. to me. Again, yeah. I hope that was helpful to others. Um, and as always, if you have any questions, feel free to Send us an email, something real at reallifeonline.org. Uh, give us a call and leave a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC or leave us a message on Facebook, YouTube, whatever you'd like. Nobody has sent a carrier pigeon yet, so... No pigeons. No pigeons. You mentioned that in your sermon on Sunday. I did, you? yes. I, I appreciated that. Um, that's not up yet as of uh, Tuesday at 11.04 a.m., um, the sermon from Sunday. It's not up on the podcast. It is up on our Facebook and YouTube pages if you want to check that out. I'm having some technical difficulties. but Is it, it will, on the website? It is on the website, but we yeah. will get it uploaded to the podcast today as well. So. What would you say the website is again? reallifeonline.org. <laughs> Don't put me on the spot. Uh, so other than that, we will catch you guys next time. See ya.